0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com, that's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 394 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're discussing the concept of lifestyle creep, and if your spending is eating into your savings, you might indeed be experiencing lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep can happen quite consciously. Perhaps you have landed a new job or you just scored a promotion and you feel the conscious need to treat yourself, or perhaps lifestyle creep is unconscious. Perhaps you didn't notice all the extras you've been spending your money on until one day the impact is clear and it is very unpleasant. Lifestyle creep happens when you have access to more money and here to help us discuss the ways in which we can combat lifestyle creep in our own lives is Kara Perez. She is the founder of financial education platform Bravely Go. Kara, so happy to have you on the show. How are you?
1: I'm doing great and I'm so jazzed to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest.
0: <laughs> Jazz hands. Let's just do it. Jazz hands. So happy to have you. I thought you were the perfect person to have on to discuss lifestyle creep because I think it's happened to me and my household. We've heard the term, but maybe we don't all know what it is. So, what on earth is lifestyle creep?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because I think a lot of us are experiencing it, but we don't necessarily have the language for it. Basically, lifestyle creep is when you start spending more money than is necessary on non-essential upgrades. So, For example, you have a 2018 Toyota Corolla. It runs great. It's got less than hundred thousand miles on it. And you decide, you know what? I need a fancier car. I've just gotten a promotion. I want something that reflects more of my status. And so even though your Toyota Corolla works perfectly and is a solid car, maybe it's paid off or it has a really low minimum payment, you upgrade to a 2023 Lexus or something. So that would be an example of lifestyle creep. You are Replacing something that is doing a great job with something that is more expensive.
0: And I'm wondering if treating ourselves comes into play with lifestyle creep. I want to talk about that later. I feel like we're all just working so hard. And so we can, at whatever we're doing, right? And so we can all just justify treating ourselves here or there. But at what point does this treat here or that treat there become lifestyle creep?
1: Yeah, I think about this a lot because in personal finance, there's something known as the latte factor, which is this piece of, and I'm using air quotes, advice (laughs) that all of us have heard a million times, which is if you don't buy coffee out every day and you instead invest that money, you'll have a million dollars in 30 years, which by the way, the math on that is very faulty. (laughs) Second of all, it tells people that you don't deserve simple pleasures, like a coffee out every day. And I don't believe that. I don't think that's true from a financial perspective. And I don't think that's healthy from a mental perspective either. I believe in treating yourself. However, we live in a very hectic world. There's often a lot of very scary things in the news. When we talk about things like climate change, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. So people seek comfort. And that's where these little treats come in. I would say it begins to become lifestyle creep or begins to become a problem when your treats are preventing you from doing other financial things. If you can't save, if you can't invest, if you can't upgrade the car that's actually like breaking down every other week because you are constantly spending a little money on treats. And I would also say actually asking yourself if Treating yourself and being a consumer in that way is actually making you feel better. I semi recently moved and I found myself at Target a lot because I love Target. (laughs) I love being in Target. It's very comforting to me. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to Target because I don't really have any friends yet. I'm in a new city, I don't have any friends. And so I started replacing my Target runs with going to community meetups, with going to volunteering things. And that was the treat I actually needed, building community, not picking up some plastic doodad at Target.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I think many of us, despite knowing what research says, many of us still continue to believe or want to believe that a new thing is going to make us happy. And yes, it will provide a surge of dopamine, which many of us mistake for happiness, but that dopamine again recedes and then we're back to our baseline. I feel as though there is an assumption out there. We assume that the more expensive purchases, so an item with a $20,000 price tag, let's say, is going to bring... 20 times more happiness than, let's say, a $1,000 handbag. I don't know. I'm just using those examples for easy math. But we tend to assume that the more expensive the thing, the greater we're going to feel inside.
1: There is a lot of data around this, that our brains assume expensive means better made or better for you. So even when, and you see this a lot with beauty products, When the generic with the kind of the designer label, a lot of them are using the same exact ingredients, but one has like prettier packaging and you hear that, oh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow uses this. Even though it has the same exact ingredients, people will pay 10 times for the designer one. Combating that is really difficult because now we're having a discussion around how to escape advertising, about how to escape capitalism at large. Like, it's a much more complex issue, but. A good thing to remind yourself is just because something is more expensive doesn't mean it's better. And just having that as a little mantra for yourself as just a way to ground yourself when you're feeling caught up in this or stressed out about it or feeling obligated to buy the more expensive thing, just saying just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's better. Or just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's the exact fit that I need. Maybe somebody else does need this more expensive thing, but do I? Is that product going to fix my problem or going to fill my need?
0: Let's talk about inflation and specifically the term lifestyle inflation. I've heard the term. I don't know what it means. I do know that we, economically speaking, are in a period of major inflation. And I know that because I go to the grocery store and everything is so expensive. How is lifestyle inflation different than lifestyle creep?
1: Yeah. So there is, to your point, there's economic inflation. And so that's not anything that's an individual responsibility. That's what has to do with our GDP. That has to do with the housing market. That has to do with the amount of national debt we have. So the economic inflation is totally outside of the term lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation refers to the individual choices we are making To increase our spending on non essential items. Groceries are an essential item. And if you went to the grocery store last year and a gallon of milk was a dollar and now it's a dollar seventy five, that's not because you decided to get fancier milk or to buy more milk more often. That's because the price of milk changed. So that type of inflation is outside of our control. And lifestyle inflation is 100% in our control and is based on decisions we make to spend more in our day-to-day.
0: So it sounds to me like economic inflation plus lifestyle creep or lifestyle inflation, whatever we want to call it, when they come together without us consciously being aware of it it can be a perfect storm for our budgets.
1: Absolutely. It can be a full-on tsunami disaster for our budgets. And I think that's where a lot of people have found themselves, going back to what we were saying about people get into the habits of treating themselves or they want to do something that's totally normal and understandable, go on vacation. And so they're beginning to maybe save or plan for that. But then the cost of the flights are twenty percent more than they were two years ago. The cost of the hotel is 10% more than it was a year ago. So that's that economic inflation coming into contact with our like I want to treat myself mentality and it can explode in our faces sometimes of, oh, I thought this trip would be fifteen hundred dollars and it's in fact twenty five hundred dollars or whatever the case may be. And that's where people are finding frustration because Salaries haven't gone up nearly as much as economic inflation has gone up in most industries. Obviously, there are outlier industries. And so people are having to do basically less because everything has gotten more expensive. And when I say do everything less, I mean everything from enjoying the things that make life wonderful, like going to concerts and going on vacation, to having to make different choices at the grocery store because what they used to get is not as affordable as what it was.
0: So what would you say to somebody listening right now who says, wait a minute, I just got a promotion or I just got a big pay raise and shouldn't my lifestyle improve? Shouldn't I get the bigger house or the boat or the Lexus or whatever the thing is? Because look at me, I'm killing it and my career and I'm making more money. What would you say to them?
1: You know, there's that quote, I think it's from Fight Club. (laughs) We we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And I think about that all the time because there's nothing wrong with having a Lexus or like having an Aston Martin. If you want to drive a James Bond car, get out there and do that. But the question you really need to ask yourself is who is this for? Is driving this car for me because I'm a big gearhead and I appreciate the craftsmanship of this car and I work on it on the weekends or whatever? Or is buying this car Because I want to signal to the people around me who will see the car, like my neighbors or my coworkers, that I'm wealthy. And I would say that secondary one, let's do some more unpacking there because that doesn't sound super healthy to me. That sounds like we are living and spending for other people. And we're defining ourselves and our own self-worth by other people's definitions and other people's standards. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to spend your money to make your life easier, to make your life more comfortable, or to spend it on nice things, that's not in and of itself wrong. I really want to stress that. But why? Are you buying that really expensive item because it does make your life easier day to day, because it does bring you joy, or are you doing that to impress other people?
0: Yeah. I'm glad you made that point, Kara, because I find myself wondering when it comes to frivolous purchases in my own life, and our household, things we buy that we don't necessarily need. Like, How much, in your opinion, when it comes to lifestyle creep does our own self-esteem come into play or our mental and emotional health? What are your thoughts there? Because it does seem a lot of times lifestyle creep is related to a desire for keeping up with the joneses or a desire for status how do all these concepts coalesce for you
1: oh my gosh i think about this all the time most spending decisions that are not like rent health insurance <laughs> you know like the things that like keep us alive but the remainder of our spending i would say 90% of that comes from self esteem or lack thereof comes from mental health or lack thereof it cannot be Overstated the connection between your money and your emotions. We spend money to feel better. We spend money to feel worse. (laughs) And now we live in a world where it is so easy to see what other people have and to compare ourselves to them and the people who have the most, right? Like it's very easy to compare yourself to a literal billionaire on Twitter, on Instagram and to say, I should be able to fly private. I should be able to. I don't know, wear Gucci or whatever it is. Like this person is not inherently better than me. And so they don't deserve it more than me. I deserve it just as much as they deserve it. It's just a matter of this person is a billionaire and I am not. (laughs) So now people are in this cycle of spending every penny they earn. Now they're living paycheck to paycheck or going into debt. And I think that is something that is so harmful. And there's very little like Studies or literature, because social media is still very new in our world. Instagram came out, I think, two thousand eight, and it didn't become really mainstream until about twenty fourteen. So that's less than a decade. People are spending hours and hours every single day, seeing what other people are doing, seeing what other people are buying, and saying, "Oh, even my peer, who I know makes the same amount of money as me, is doing that. Shouldn't I be doing that? Because we're the same. We're similar. Oh." okay, and then it becomes this unraveling very quickly.
0: You're right. The sphere of comparison these days with social media, with reality TV, our ability to compare with people that are completely in other socioeconomic spheres is huge, right? Back in the day prior to, again, the internet and reality TV, we were comparing ourselves. We were looking at our successes or failures through the lens of the people in our literal communities, the literal Joneses across the street. But now we can put on, I don't even know if the show's still on the air. I'm just going to use the example, but keeping up with the Kardashians, we see how Kim's living and we think to ourselves, How did she roll the dice in life to be able to have the mansions, the clothes, the this, the that? And so I'm just curious, in your capacity as somebody who educates others on financial issues, when you are working with somebody and they come to you and they say, yeah, my self-esteem, yeah, my mental or emotional health, yeah, these, I guess I would say, issues or lacks, perhaps, they definitely play into my spending. What is the first step for them? What do you suggest to them?
1: I always ask people, tell me something you're good at outside of your job. What kind of a dog mom are you? What kind of a friend are you? What kind of an artist are you? Tell me something you do that is great outside of how you earn money. And people start saying, oh, I'm an excellent cook. I'm a really good piano player. I'm the best chess player you'll ever meet. And that helps us right from the get-go. Frame them as a whole person rather than just as a money-earning like product, essentially. And that helps resettle people in and begin to say, you know what, actually, there's a ton of things I like to do that don't involve necessarily spending money or that don't involve necessarily spending tons of money or repeatedly spending money. I encourage people to sit down and look at their spending, not from a place of judgment, but simply from a place of honesty. And a lot of people get those two words confused. They think if I'm going to be honest, I have to be mean to myself. But that's not true. If you spent $1,200 on a bike and you use it five days a week, what an incredible investment. What a great ROI. Good for you. You know (laughs) That was an excellent expense. It's more so about being honest than it is about being mean.
0: Well, Kara, I've heard it said before that how we spend our money, how we choose to spend or not spend our money is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. What do you think about that?
1: I think there's some truth to that. But like I mentioned earlier, it's less so about our maybe internal judgments or how we think of ourselves as individuals. And I really do think it's more so about what we see and consume. There's that phrase like you can't Be what you can't see. And I do think there's a version of that for money. Like, the more you see other people being or doing or spending, the more you begin to question why that's not in your life, even if there's no reason for it, even if you don't necessarily even want it. (laughs) Like, the example I always use for people is I don't do my nails, I never paint my nails. And I think I'm the only woman in my mid 30s that I know who doesn't get her nails done regularly. All of my friends get their nails done regularly. It's a crucial part of their budget. And for me, I'm just like, I don't care. And I use my hands a lot, like outside. So they're constantly getting dirty and it would be a huge waste of money. (laughs) But sometimes I see my friends' nails, especially around the holidays, whether it's sparkly or gold or something. And I think, oh, that looks so nice. Why don't I have that? Why don't I do that again? Like, why isn't that part of my routine? And then I have to remind myself, it doesn't make sense for you. You don't even really want that. It's just this kind of short-term comparison. It's not that I feel lesser than because I'm not getting my nails done. It's that in this moment, it looks so cute and I want to look cute. I think that's really more of the thing is, especially again, on social media, we get these flashes of luxury or vacation or ease we assume it's because of money and we start thinking, why not me? Why not me? So I don't necessarily think most spending comes from like low self-esteem or self-hatred. I think it more so comes from a place of seeing what other people are doing.
0: Kara, we're going to take our sponsor break, but when we come back, I want to transition into what your best tips are for confronting, perhaps even halting lifestyle creep. So we're going to get into that after a quick word. From our sponsors. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today I'm speaking with Kara Perez. She is the founder of Bravely Go, a financial education platform. During the break, I was thinking about your manicure example, how sometimes you see your friend's nails and they look so great. And I would say the same thing happens to me all the time. It it happens to me when I look at my peers, like so like people my age, even my friends, their wardrobes. I've said so many times on this show that Fashion is just not a priority for me. Look at me. I'm wearing a stained T-shirt to our interview right now. It's not a priority to me. I don't particularly put much effort into what I'm wearing as long as I feel somewhat confident. I feel fine about it. I rewear outfits for decades. <laughs> but then I see my peers, and many of them don't repeat outfits. They all look so fashionable. They look on trend. The immediate feeling that comes up for me in these instances when I see a peer like looking amazing and I'm wearing my ratty-tatty old t-shirt is ugh. It's, it's an immediate I feel bad about myself. That's the first thing that comes up. But then I've trained myself almost. Trained, I don't know if that's the right word, but I've learned that the power comes when I sit with that feeling, that like, ugh feeling, and I sit with it and I ask myself, why? Why am I feeling this way right now? Am I jealous? Am I feeling a lack inside? And if I sit with the feeling nine times out of 10, I realize I feel that way simply because they look great and I also wanna look great, but me going out and buying new clothes is not gonna make me feel great. It might make me feel great for like a second, but let's zero back in on my priorities, what matters to me. Fashion is not a priority for me. So how how else could I make myself feel great? And that's the question that I choose to ask myself in those moments when I feel less than. What can I do to make me feel great? And specifically, how can I make myself feel great without spending money? For me, it usually comes down to exercising, letting those feelings of lack or less than move through my body. And I'm sure the answer is different for everybody. But my point here is sit with the feeling, drill down, ask yourself why, and get to the bottom of it. And don't be afraid of doing that, even though the emotion that's coming up might not be one that you want to feel.
1: It's so funny you bring that up because I was recently at a conference where I was a speaker and I was on a panel and with two other women who were like dressed to the nines, full faces of makeup. They looked incredible. And I was wearing my thrifted dress that I got for like six bucks and a jacket that had like dollar bills printed on it that I also thrifted and got for, I think like $15. And I didn't wear any makeup because I don't wear makeup on the day to day. So it didn't even occur to me to go to this conference and to bring makeup. And then I got there and I was like, oh my God, if ever there was a time, this would be it. But oh, well, like I didn't bring any. I wasn't going to go buy stuff like, that I would never use. So I just did the whole conference naked face. And <laughs> the first day, it was a three-day conference. The first day I felt really embarrassed almost because we were taking all these pictures and I was like, oh my God, people are just seeing my face. And then to your point, so you ask yourself like, how else can I feel good? What can I do to make myself feel good, I started asking myself, "Kara, how do you really want to show up here? What's the point of being here? Is the point of being here to look the absolute hottest or is the point of being here for you to connect with the other speakers and do professional networking and also for you to give the best presentation to the attendees? And I was like, yeah, the way I want to show up here is to connect with as many people as possible, to talk to as many people as possible and to have a good time. It has absolutely nothing to do with my face. (laughs) like it has nothing to do with how much makeup I am or I'm not wearing. And so I encourage people to ask, and I think therapists do this, right? If you're in conflict with someone, they ask you like, what do you want to get out of the conversation or the fight or something? Like, what's your goal here? I ask myself that a lot when I'm feeling either lesser than, or when I'm feeling like I'm in competition with someone, I say, what do I want out of this? If I'm feeling competitive with this person. Do I want to look as good as them? Do I want my nails to look as good as them? Do I want to have that car? Or do I want to like just have the ease that I think that they're projecting? Do I just want to have the like the time of my life at this wedding? Right? Do I want to be the best looking person at this wedding or do I just want to have a good time on the dance floor? So I think asking yourself that question can help you realize that all these other unnecessary things are creeping in. And if you can get back to the core, you're going to be okay.
0: I like how you mentioned there the ease that we assume other people have when they are looking great or driving around in their fancy car or their boat or whatever. We just assume that because they look flawless, their lives are flawless. We're making assumptions there that, and we want our lives to be flawless and easeful, right? But those are assumptions that we're making in the moment. And I think if we stop and pause, like you just said, get back to the goal or the intent. And again, sit with it, even though it's it's not fun. I think that's where the special sauce lies in terms of combating lifestyle creep. That's step one. What's another step? And I guess before, like my precursor to that question would be, where do you most see lifestyle creep sneaking in so that we can all, all of us listeners, focus on these areas? I mean, we've mentioned cars, but and clothes and maybe self care like manicures, pedicures, et cetera. But where else does lifestyle creep most often creep in?
1: I notice it mostly with people around their image. So, clothes, makeup, procedures like Botox or getting your nails done or lip filler all of a sudden those go from, oh, maybe I'll do that one day to, yeah, I get Botox every three months. I get my lip filler every six months. Like It becomes a, I can't live without this to a lot of people. And then also a lot around children because people want to give their children the best. And so they kind of look at their kids with a blank check in their brains of, Mm -hmm. I will do and spend anything for my child to make sure they have the most opportunities possible.
0: So- I think for many people listening to our conversation right now, they're thinking to themselves, yeah, lifestyle creep may likely have happened to me, but it wasn't a conscious thing. It was a very slow over the years, we make more money, we spend more money. It happens without us realizing it. What are some practical ways that we can combat this? If it's Unintentional, if it's happening without us realizing it, where do we even start?
1: Yeah, when you think about it that way, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed or to feel that you don't have any power in the situation. It's just happening to you. And so I always go back to people with budgeting, or you don't have to call it budgeting if you don't want to, because budgeting has like a bad reputation. Think of it as a spending plan, think of it as a money date with yourself or with your partner or whomever. And you can be as strict or as lenient as you want. You're in control. I always tell people, budgeting is an exercise in creativity. It's not a punishment and it's not a time to yell at yourself. It's just a time to sit down and see where's our money coming from and where's our money going. And if you begin to notice habits of, wow, I moved to this new city, again, to use myself, and I'm going to Target twice a week. (laughs) Okay, all I have to do there is replace this twice a week. Trip to Target that's costing me 50 bucks each time with an activity that is free or less than $50, and my money will immediately change. And then for those of us who feel like, oh, we moved into this, so this is a very common story, right? Like we moved into this house and then we had kids and we needed to upgrade the house and we needed to upgrade the car. That's not necessarily bad lifestyle inflation. If when you got married, you and your partner only had a little two seater and now you have two kids, that's not lifestyle inflation. That's just necessary spending to get a car that allows your entire family to be in it together. Don't look at the things that are allowing your life to function on its most basic level. Begin your budgeting journey with the things that if you dropped off of your budget, if you dropped off of your spending, you'd still be able to feed yourself, clothe yourself, and get to work. So look at the things like your streaming subscriptions. Those get out of hand really quickly because we wanna watch one show on each of the networks and all of a sudden we have eight different streaming subscriptions. (laughs) Can we get that down to three? So looking at things like that, those are easier steps that you can take and then you can begin to feel confident as a budgeter, begin to feel like, you know what? I am in the driver's seat here. I am in control. This isn't just happening to me. I am an active participant in all of my money decisions. And you will gain this financial confidence that you'll then be able to take into bigger financial decisions.
0: My final question for you, Kara, has to do with budgeting 101. I always love to ask my financial gurus this question. And by asking this question, I'm also trying to bring the conversation back around to where we started, in which so many of us today are working so hard, we feel as though we deserve to treat ourselves here or there. The problem, of course, is that many of us, myself included, we're treating ourselves here, there, everywhere. We're treating ourselves too much and our budget is taking a hit. So what do you recommend in terms of how much should we be spending on wants and fun and treating ourselves?
1: It's interesting you asked this question this month. I'm going to hold up my little visual spending tracker here. (laughs) This is just a piece of notebook paper that I made a little calendar of the month of August on. And I would suggest people do this. You can start in the middle of the month. You can start at the beginning of the month, whatever you want. But I just wrote out August. And I'm not trying to change any of my habits. But I have three different colors. I have blue, green, and red. So green signifies a zero spend day. I didn't spend any money. Blue signifies a necessary expense day, like I paid rent, I paid my health insurance, I got gas in the car, I bought groceries, et cetera, et cetera. And red signifies a unnecessary. So for me, last Sunday, I got donuts. (laughs) Completely unnecessary spending, but delicious. Seeing it with this kind of like color coordinated thing, I really suggest people do this because and do this without judgment, do this without trying to change your spending, because it will start to show you, oh my gosh, out of the 31 days in August, I have 21 days that are red. So I'm doing a lot of this extra spending. Let me go look at what it is. Was it a lot of donuts or what, <laughs> what, what am I spending on? And I find this easier than like a spreadsheet, which a lot of people don't want to be in spreadsheets. It bums them out. This kind of fun, color-coordinated, color-in-as-you-go thing helps people realize oh, I have a bad habit of stopping at insert taco place here five days a week and I need to stop that. I can make these tacos at home at least two days a week or something. And it also helps us see, oh, you know what? Every Tuesday I don't spend any money because that's puzzle night with my friends or whatever. And so you can begin to see the things in your life that are working in ways you want them to work and the things in your life that are working in ways you don't want them to work. So getting that kind of, doing that recon, (laughs) getting that information is really step one for people. You can't change what you don't know. You have to do the research first and understand where you're currently at. And then you can begin to identify, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to work on changing that. This actually works really well. I feel really great about that. I'm going to keep that. But first, we have to have that information.
0: Okay. I think you just changed my life, Kara. <laughs> when you held up that color-coded visual, my husband is a spreadsheet budget type of person. And when he forces me to sit down every month to look at it, I just can't focus on it. It doesn't make sense to me. Lots of numbers and just no. But that makes sense. What you just held up makes sense to me. And so I love how you're mentioning grab the data of what you're spending money on, but do it in a way that makes sense to you. A color-coded calendar makes way more sense to me than a really complicated spreadsheet. So what I hear you saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, is get the data, see how much you're actually spending on these lifestyle creep items first, and then tweak depending on what makes sense for you and your budget. Yes,
1: 100%. And also give yourself time. Don't expect that you're going to do a couple of weeks of tracking and then you're going to change your entire financial life forever. <laughs> like it's probably going to take a couple of months to make these changes and that's okay.
0: I love this conversation and I love your platform. Tell my listeners where they can get more of all of your goodness.
1: So if you're into short form, we are on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my time. And that is at WeBravelyGo. And if you're into more longer form, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you like nuance and deep dives, we are on YouTube at BravelyGo.
0: Well, Kara, I want to thank you so much for your time. I am going to go start color coding my calendar. So (laughs) thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Enjoy your color coding.
0: (laughs) Listeners, that's a wrap. My friends, show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 394. As always, if you receive benefit from this show, please consider leaving it a quick review. No lifestyle creep to see here and leaving a review. It's free and it helps this show reach more listeners. Thank you so much. I'll see you on Thursday and take care.